0: It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini, along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and
1: Steve Kelly.
2: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk, an early edition this morning. We're here until 9 o'clock, and our day, game day coverage begins. We're at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. The marching Illini have been on the field for uh, at least an hour from the time that I've been here, and before that, they were on the field when I got here, working on their pregame and halftime shows here. As Illinois gets set to take on Rutgers in Big Ten football this afternoon, rather this morning, moving into this afternoon. Mr. Lauren Tate alongside. How are you doing, coach? Well,
1: I'm wondering when the mist is going to stop. It just seems like every day it starts this way, doesn't it?
2: It does. It, uh, the rain really wasn't in the forecast, and it is a very light mist with the wind blowing out of the north. Hopefully that won't uh, affect the crowd as this game kicks off at 11 o'clock against Rutgers. You can look at the flags on the uh, The band uh, people down there, those things are sticking straight out, and I think the wind will be a factor if it stays the way it is. It always
1: is a factor here, it seems like. It does. uh,
2: Windiest place in town is right outside the uh, (laughs) State Farm Center or the Memorial Stadium, no doubt. Speaking of the State Farm Center, we were there last night. There was Illinois basketball exhibition game, a win, 94-79 to over Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Kind of a good, bad, and ugly night.
1: Yeah, it was one of those, Illinois didn't play well, but they had a couple of players out and Williams and Hutcherson, and then Frazier went out after three minutes, I believe it was, and with a shoulder, uh, it's his other shoulder, by the way, is the right shoulder, he's, he's left-handed shooter, but uh, it was one of those games where it's really going to turn Underwood loose on them <laughs> when they meet again, because when he shows them the film of you know Corbello making 10 turnovers and... Some of the things that two technical fouls and some of the really oh I, I, don't, I don't want to call it bad but just mediocre play so immature play that was very disappointing if it, you know although it's you have to get over this sort of thing it's early and it's just an exhibition game he's playing a lot of players and that contributes to it but defense last night was way below par that score by the way uh, if I can figure it out here. I've got it somewhere. Uh, 94 to 79.
2: Right, and it was a game in which uh, Indiana stayed in the ball game, which is what uh, Brad Underwood wanted in exhibition game number two, and they stayed with uh, the Illini most of the way. Corbello was magnificent at times and not so good at others, and he heard the wrath uh, from the coaching staff. And as you mentioned, they'll be hearing that in practice, and that—that's <laughs> those were good teaching moments. He almost had a quadruple double. Right. He had.
1: 10 and us see he had 10 turnovers, 12 assists. That's really good. that's really good. 14 points and he was fouled 9 times. He drew 9 fouls. Right. So, and he fouled out by the way. And with the technical foul involved. So, it was one of those crazy games for Cuban. We're going to see a lot of that. He's going to be up and down. He's going to be great at times and he does make turnovers, there's no question about it. I don't know. You know the record for turnovers in a this is this, this this game doesn't count. But in games, uh, in regular games, in the last ten years, the, the record for turnovers by one player is eight. So he would have broken the record, except of course it wasn't a, a game that counts anyway.
2: Illinois as a team only had fifteen, and he, and Carbello had ten of those. He's
1: the only one trying to penetrate and do anything. That's true. That's, that's true. Of course, without Fraser and without Hutcherson, without Williams, it, it was it wasn't the same. But and they'll get those guys back. I, I mean, Williams will be back for sure. I don't know how long. Uh, Hutcherson fell on his uh, uh butt. Yeah, right <laughs> on his back, on his butt, his tailbone. Yes. Right? And uh, you know that that's that's a that's a bruise that, that takes a few days to go away.
2: I think though, if this had been a Big Ten game, both those guys would have been in action uh, last night. But I, yeah. we don't know that. I should yeah. probably shouldn't even speculate on that. But uh, it was an exhibition game, so you you play things safe. Nice crowd. Yeah, yeah, it was they, a good crowd. They listed it as a sellout last night, 15 uh, 5 at the uh, State Farm Center. They had the uh, Big Ten Tournament Championship uh, ring ceremony and flag rising to the rafters. That was kind of fun. Io came in. He didn't quite get there in time, but he and his family came in. And, uh, that was during time. the first
1: time out, wasn't it? When it he was. came out? Yeah. During the first time out, he came out on the court, and they gave him his ring. And he stayed there until the last couple of minutes of the game
2: we have got the phone lines open. You want to talk about that basketball game. We'd love to hear from you if you were there. Or you want to talk about football. We don't want to look past Rutgers. Everybody's still talking about the Penn State game. And I guess rightly so. But it's time to play another game now, Lauren. And uh, you're only as good as your most recent game. And this one's about to be that.
1: I don't know how you shield your players from the way that everybody, the fans, the media, we're still writing stories in the paper today about last week's game. I mean, you know, so at some point you've got to turn the page, and I hope that the players have been isolated to the point where they're not a part of this, but I doubt it. I mean, when we saw the, the really good opener against Nebraska, then Illinois turned around and lost to UTSA, and they lost four straight games. So one game doesn't define your season, and certainly that, that's a wonderful game last week, but we somehow got to put it in the, in the past. I'm really worried about reaching that same emotional peak that Illinois had last year on defense and with that rushing game.
2: You mentioned uh, UTSA; they're still undefeated and uh, ranked number twenty-three this week. Yeah. So they're having a, a good season. Yep. And, and you're right. Uh, last week's game, the the emotions, the ups and the and the just the emotion swings in the overtimes when one play, one score in yep. five straight so overtimes close. might so have done it. And, uh, yep. and both teams had chances, and that. Uh, Looked like it was going to work when the play started.
1: Yeah, and, and the two touchdowns that were called back against Illinois for, because of penalties, those plays worked so perfectly. I mean, there was nobody. There were like 15 or so right. yard plays in which, they, first of all, the catch, uh, you know, the touchdown pass was, was unguarded, and, and uh, the run by Chase Brown uh, was unguarded and yet uh, there were penalties that that caused those to be called back. And they were, by the way, they were both marginal penalties. I went back and looked at both plays, and I know Poschewski was called for for holding on that play, but, you know, he's down in there in the middle of the line. The play was on the outside. I'm not saying he didn't hold, but it was a minor call. It was a marginal call.
2: Right. Rutgers, of course, in the uh, East Division of the Big Ten, and this is the sixth straight year that Illinois and Rutgers have played in uh, one of the crossover games. And uh, Illinois holds its all-time uh, record in in the series five games to two.
1: Yeah, I didn't learn until this week that that this playing Rutgers now ends. That was a six-year yeah period. Now I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who Illinois gets as their natural partner. The thing that screws it up for the league is that Indiana and Purdue must play each other, and they're from opposite division. And they must play every year. Right. So there. So what happens is that each team gets a an opponent from the op- opposing division. And as I said, I don't know who that is for Illinois and coming. I guess I could figure it out if I went through the schedules. But uh, anyway, it has been Rutgers, and that's been good because Illinois only lost to them once in that series.
2: Rutgers was off last week. They've lost their last four games, which were their first four Big Ten games. They won the first three games of the season then lost their first four Big Ten games uh, to, to be 3-4 and four coming in.
1: Yeah, nice win over Syracuse. Uh, and then they played uh, Michigan a really tough game. The score was 20-3 at the halftime. The final score was 20-13. Michigan did not score in the second half. And after their first touchdown march, Michigan, which leads the Big Ten in rushing, Managed just 48 rushing yards the remainder of that game. And in the second half, uh, Rutgers shut them out. So there's something to this Rutgers team. It isn't like they're going to be a push over. In fact, I think they're a slight favorite over Illinois today.
2: Yeah, I, I found that a little bit uh, unusual with Illinois coming off that win and having uh, three wins on the season and two wins in the Big Ten and, and having one at uh, the seventh-ranked team in the country and playing at home. Mm -hmm. But uh, whatever they say, and that's just more motivation for the Illini. They're rushing uh, defense for Rutgers, giving up uh, 149 yards a game, right about the same that uh, Illinois is giving up in the Big Ten. But the Illini have their rushing attack up to uh, 189 a game uh, based on a couple of big ones from last week in uh, Chase Brown and Josh McRae.
1: Yeah, uh, the the thing about Illinois is they're – They're two different teams. The the team that played the first three or four games is different from the team that's played more recently, I think, except the Wisconsin game was really a letdown. But uh, what we're trying to do is analyze exactly who who Illinois is and are they Wisconsin game or are they Penn State game? Illinois seventh in rushing, as you said, with 189. They've had seven rushing touchdowns. And their rushing defense, by the way, which looked so good uh, last week, is 12th in the Big Ten. Which is not good, right? But uh, Rutgers is 11th. They're, they're about. They're both about 150 yards, and uh, passing Illinois is just by far 14th, the worst in the league. Yeah, one of the worst in the nation.
2: Yeah, giving up 252 yards a game passing, and Rutgers passes the ball pretty decently themselves. They've got a quarterback that's thrown for 1274 yards and seven touchdowns, Noah uh, Vedral, and uh, he's ninth in the Big Ten is among among quarterbacks and. Some interesting stats if you go through the Big Ten individual stats. Of course, you've got Chase Brown and Josh McRae listed among the uh, top running backs, but you've got no wide receivers, you've got no quarterbacks mentioned. And
1: well, yeah, and remember, Illinois' played eight games, Chase Brown's played in just six. And, right. And, you know his stats are are really good but he hasn't played all he's over averaging over 100 yards a game which is pretty good Steve I mean if you can average 100 yards a game I hope he averages 100 today because Illinois is going to have to run the ball they've shown that they aren't very good passing and and uh, somehow some way they've got to complete some passes today.
2: He's averaging uh, Chase Brown 6.8 yards a carry and uh, behind that uh, but they're uh, Brett uh, Bielma's calling the, the barge package of all those offensive linemen. We'll see some of that again today. Especially well, gonna, you got to try it again. Heck yeah, especially if the wind's a factor and the, and the rain might be a factor. Just keep it on the ground and, and go with the, what works. And it sort of worked last week.
1: Well, you can bet that uh, Rutgers has spent some time this week yep. j- figuring out exactly what they do. And you have to get more linemen in. When you have nine blockers up there, you can't have... Uh, four defensive backs back there because you're outnumbered up front and uh, i i imagine that they'll substitute accordingly uh, when illinois brings that in because as as illinois brings their players in then the defense can can basically bring player's opposite you know you have time to bring your own players in too
2: you'd only surprise people in college football or any kind of sports one time right (laughs) <laughs> once, yeah. Once they see it, once the.
1: I'm the, wondering what the surprise will be today. I mean, it'll be something different, obviously, and I, I wonder what they'll come up with.
2: I wonder if uh, Illinois and Penn State and maybe everybody else in college football put in a few more uh, two point, extra point uh, conversion <laughs> uh, plays in their <laughs> repertoire in case they might need them. You know,
1: uh, I thought that was interesting that you would. There was so much to talk about we only had two plays ready. I mean,. You're going to have a a dozen short yardage plays during the course of the game. You just run the same plays, don't you? I mean, I don't I don't get the significance well, of that. Well,
2: you know what confused me a little bit, and I realize it's tougher when you get inside the five-yard line, but how well was the quarterback sneak working? In that yeah,
1: game? They made three yards on it every time. Yeah, but, I know. But you're not going to make three yards on it down there. They they had too many people piled up by well, but, opposite but Kramer.
2: Over the course of nine overtimes, why not try it once? Well, when, when the – You know, the uh, the spread-the-field plays didn't seem to work.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be anything that would work. (laughs) Uh, But at that point, they they had tried just about everything. And, by the way, boy, was Washington open on that touchdown, on the conversion. I keep saying touchdown. Conversion pass. I mean, he's out there waving his arms. Really, throw me the ball. And he the couldn't. Ball.
2: Have, uh, Peters couldn't have waited any longer to throw no, it. He, no, he,
1: he took him long enough as it was. That's
2: what I mean. The, the other guy, the defensive guys, were closing in on him and uh, made a nice uh, jumping catch. And that's that. That's in the history book in more ways than one. And now they turn to uh, Rutgers in a game that kicks off shortly after eleven o'clock here on Dad's Day, Military Day, and. Halloween weekend. You got your mask on, I see.
1: Well, I don't have yeah, to write. I don't have to put him on. I just show up like I look. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll take our first break. We do have the phone lines open. If you want to jump in, it is 8:14. This is Atlanta Pelah Saturday Sports Talk. We're at Memorial Stadium, and we'll be back with more after this. Welcome back, Illinois Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, we're at Memorial Stadium. Ed Bond is with us here in the press box at the stadium. Dave Leak is our producer back at our new studios on Fox Drive. Going to talk some Illinois basketball from that 94-79 win last night over Indiana, Pennsylvania. Illinois strength and conditioning coach Adam Fletcher is on the phone with us bright and early this morning. Good morning, Adam. How are you?
0: Doing well. How about yourself?
2: We're fine. Nice night uh, last night for an exhibition game, a sold-out crowd. Got the win, and it was good to, to get your bling. I guess you were going to be able to wear around on your hand there, a big old ring the size of a hockey puck it looked like to, <laughs> to us. But uh, it was a fun night, wasn't
0: yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, great night. Great uh, great to celebrate, you know, uh, last season one more time and, and, and really put that behind us and and, and start to move forward. So exciting. Uh, Great opportunity for the guys. Really happy to have Io back, um, you know, to to be a part of that and and obviously everything he's meant to the program. So really good to see him and uh, just excited for the guys.
2: Well, the season uh, will be here next, and uh, the practices have gone on for a while and uh, two exhibition games in the books. What do you like about what you've seen from the guys during the conditioning and uh, maybe uh, mention a couple of guys, if you might, that uh, have made big, uh, big steps forward in your mind?
0: yeah absolutely uh, you know I, I, I think the conditioning standpoint um, it, this has probably been one of the best off seasons that we've had since I've been here we you know we had uh, five guys that ran their mile time uh, under five minutes which is you know the first time in my career uh, where we've had that amount of guys um, do it in uh, that time uh, which is you know really good for, for the preseason conditioning standpoint Um I, I, I'm really happy with where our guys are physically. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, going into the season, we you know we got some older guys that have been in the program for a while, and, and really, uh, you know, the season's gotten so long. You know, you got the summer practices, then you know then practice starts earlier than it's ever started. And uh, it used to be practice started October 15th, and you didn't have the monotony of practice and uh, the summer practices, and there's really so much load management. Uh, involved with what we do now in terms of keeping our guys fresh mentally uh, and physically and I think that we you know manage that really well with with a veteran group while trying to blend in um, you know young guys and and bringing them up to speed and uh, you know obviously through the first two exhibition games you've seen them a lot on the court and uh, you know getting those guys up to speed has been important Uh, I feel really good about where we are physically um, you know, guys that stand out, I, you know, I think Trent Frazier always does an unbelievable job and and has made another good jump. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, I, I think, um, you know, you guys are starting to see, you know, some of his physical development, you know, translate to the court now. Um, and, and we'll continue to see that. Uh, Jacob Granderson, you know, just in elite physical shape. I mean, talk about a guy that can just play and play and play. Uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, kind of that – that Ironman force that can just go uh, in multiple positions and play for long spurts. Uh, Kofi Coburn's done another good job, you know, with his body. It's uh, our force plate data, uh, which, you know, is collected, you know, through multiple high major sports programs and and national uh, sports teams, you know, across the world. Um, You know, his data stands out as as some of the best data points um, in the world with what he can do in in terms of applying force to the ground and, and just his physical stature. So, uh, you know, I think across the board we've got a really well-conditioned team and, and, and some guys that have done just really good work and, and continue of, you know, to change their bodies and move in the right direction.
1: Fletch, I want to ask you a tough question. Uh, when you have injuries, if for instance, if a player has a shoulder injury, can you still work with his legs? If a player has leg injuries, can you still work with the upper body? Do you do that sort of thing? Because you have some players yeah. right now. We saw some players that couldn't play last night, and I just wonder yeah. how you handle that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we always train around the parts, you know, so if a guy has, you know, uh, back soreness or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, there, there's a lot that we can do uh, with, with keeping guys in shape. I mean, obviously, you know, I think some of you guys saw DeMonte out on the court last night, uh, you know, getting a workout in before the game. And, um, you know, Trent Frazier, you know, his uh, his shoulder, I think, you know, we're, we're going to continue to develop his legs. We'll still do a lot of conditioning work uh, with him, and, and uh, you know, I anticipate that everything's going to be fine there. And, um, you know, for, again, I, I think there's obviously injuries that, uh, you know, you got to be more, more careful with um, and more cautious with, and then there's uh, injuries that you can continue to train through. And uh, fortunately uh, for our guys, I, I think we've got um, – we're on the other side of that where our guys are going to continue to be able to train condition um, and really be you know, in a really good spot for, um, you know, for, the, for the opening game um, and, you know, in, in a couple of days. So I think we're in a really good spot physically. Uh, I think our health is, is at a really, really good spot, and uh, I, think, I think everything's going to be fine there.
1: Are you part of the decision-making on that? I know you're not part of the medical team exactly, but uh, are you involved in that?
0: Yeah, there's uh, you know, part of our you know, data collection uh, with, with the Hawk and Force plates that, that you see our guys jump on. Uh, is a big part of that. And, uh, you know, Paul, Paul main, makes the uh, main decisions there, uh, along with our, you know, sports medicine team and, and, and our team doctors. Um, so if there were something that was, uh, you know, a limiting factor, you know, those guys are ultimately going to make that decision. Uh, once they've made their decision then you know, then it becomes, you know, back to myself and Paul in terms of, you know, what is a return to play? How do we get the guy back to the court? And what can we continue to do to maintain their conditioning, uh, whether, you know, whether it's an upper body or a lower body injury. Um, But, yeah, we're constantly working hand in hand with those guys to make sure that our guys, you know, are staying in peak conditioning, uh, you know, through through the injury to make sure that when they do come back, uh, you know, there's not a big drop off uh, from what you see on the court in terms of, you know, physical readiness.
1: We ask you this every year, but what what's the schedule now as you start playing games in the regular season? During the course of the regular yeah. season,
0: yeah, we uh, you know we, we we really shift over. Uh, we lift every day, so every day that we practice, every day that's an on day for us. Uh, we lift before practice, and those lifts really serve as kind of a, a warm up uh, and really kind of a prime uh, for the system. And um, because we lift every day, we don't have to necessarily. Uh, you know, lift a bunch of weight uh, or really put a focus on on, uh, trying to, you know, max out or something like that. It's just the consistency over time keeps our guys strong. Uh, You know, a Trent Frazier, a DeMonte Williams, uh, Kofi, those guys, their development is kind of what it is, uh, meaning that they're not going to get necessarily a whole lot stronger through the season. They're just going to maintain what they've developed. Uh, You know, my young guys, uh, Luke Goody, uh, you know, R.J., Jemski, uh, even Coleman Hawkins. Uh, you know those guys are going to continue to get stronger just because of the frequency uh, of which we train and just having the the ability to adapt to those training sessions. They'll continue to develop throughout the season and get stronger as we go.
2: Talking to Adam Fletcher, the strength and conditioning coach for Brad Underwood's Illinois basketball team. What's been the biggest change, Adam, since you uh, first got into this business? Uh, is that the data? information uh, gathering capabilities and i would guess also the equipment and everything like that's getting better as well
0: yeah the big well honestly the biggest change has been the amount of exposure that our guys get to the court um this again i i think i started the conversation earlier on this call you know these guys practice year-round uh you know they're getting time in the summer which we never used to have uh you know the 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 practice dates are earlier than they've ever been. You know, it used to be we started practice on October 15th, um, and this year we were playing the exhibition game on October 23rd. You know, I can't imagine, you know, having having eight days of practice before the first exhibition game. But uh, just the length of the season, uh, how long we're with the guys, uh, the monotony of practice, they're beating on each other every single day, um, you know, the, the, a lot of that mental piece uh, is really, really important. Um, you know, we use the technology to, to drive, you know, overuse, underuse, uh, meaning, you know, is a guy getting enough? Is a guy not getting enough? Um, and then, you know, I'm going to build in conditioning uh, accordingly. You know, uh, if a guy needs to get in better shape, we'll continue to work with that. Um, but the, uh, really just the length of the season has been the biggest change for me. Uh, and the way that I have to approach it, uh, you know, we, we can't we can't necessarily have the big, you know, big uh, uptick of preseason conditioning that we used to have, just be, simply because our guys are getting so much exposure uh, in practice. R- really, the practice serves as that conditioning. Um, so that, that that's probably honestly been the biggest change in the industry overall. And just monitoring that to make sure that we don't get overuse injuries, uh, you know, injuries that happen just because they're getting so much exposure to playing basketball uh, is, is really the hardest thing to manage at this point.
2: Back in uh, Lauren's day and my day, we, we didn't lift weights during the season. When did, did that change? And you mentioned the guys lifting just about every day.
0: Yeah, it, uh you know, I, I, think it really started to shift. Um, and probably like the early 2000s. I mean, I think 2000, I would say, I don't know, maybe 2005, six, somewhere in there. I think the industry really started to pick up Um, and it's really exploded here in the last, you know, five to six years where everyone starts to really understand the importance of maintaining strength throughout the season Uh, and, you know, with regards to keeping guys healthy. uh, You know, strength is one of the biggest uh, components in, in injury prevention and maintaining strength throughout the season is very, very important for
1: that. You know, I remember way back when Kentucky was really good; they were they were into that heavy weight training before almost anybody. And I remember thinking, Lou Henson thought, you know, we got to catch up with them and look what they're doing. And I, I know that the attempts were made at that, but by the same token, uh, each school, I mean each uh, each program, each athletic program, didn't have its own i uh, fret fletch, fletch you know everybody came to the same place at one time every sport i remember when that was yeah. the case and and now each sports is it, has got its own doesn't it
0: yeah yeah for the most part each sport really has you know their own strength coach their own program uh you know the the, the work that's going to be important for their specific sport um and and that's it's changed a lot i think the exposure for the athletes across the athletic department Uh, To strength and conditioning has really exploded. Uh, You know, our Olympic sports, they've all got their own strength coach, uh, you know, headed up by Jim Zelensky, who's been in this athletics department for a long time and has great knowledge of strength and conditioning. Um, You know, football obviously has their own. And and really, you know, each individual sport gets a program that is specific for their sport. And, uh, you know, I think here at the University of Illinois, I think we've got some of the best strength coaches in the country and uh, very, very fortunate to work alongside them and, and pick their brain and gather as much knowledge as I can from them.
2: Is there a practice on the schedule today, Fletch?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're on today. We're, we're going to lift at 12.30 and uh, uh, get, get into practice again today. So really, um, we're trying to emulate a back-to-back. Uh, we thought that today, we wanted to target today as a really important day. Uh, to get back on the court and, uh, you know, get our guys exposure to that back-to-back, uh, meaning we're going to play a game and then turn around and play a game again tomorrow. So, we're, you know, we're going to lace them up and, and get on the court and uh, certainly learn uh, from last night, and uh, I think today's going to be a great developmental day for, for our players.
2: Before we let you go, we do have one call uh, with a question. Bob in Urbana. Go ahead, Bob. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Fletch, doesn't it seem, though, when I watched the game last night,
3: and it it seemed like the other team was as physical as we were, if not more physical, because I saw our guys getting just pounded at times in the air, and they're jumping, you know, 35, 40 inches up, up in the air, and then two guys bang into you. Uh, how do you account for that uh, physical uh, play that's happened in basketball? And I think it's getting more and more, and last night's team that the Indiana Pennsylvania was really athletic too as well as we were so what do you think
2: about yeah, that
0: no it, it's uh like I said it, 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 it's it's become a much you know it, it's a very physical game and uh you know strength is a big big big, big component of that uh you know certainly I, I said I, I was thankful that our guys weren't cramping up you know uh, they had a couple of their key players that that were uh you know clearly under-conditioned and, and uh, not prepared for the game. And, and, and fortunately for us, they actually went into cramps, but they were a couple of their key players. So um, I was happy that our guys didn't have that issue and, and that our conditioning allowed us to you know get through that game and play through that game. But, you know, it, it's become a much more physical game. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the way that they allow players to work on coffee, uh is significant. I think you guys saw that last night. It seemed like every time he had the ball, there was five guys on him. Uh, which made it really hard for us to get it get it in there, too. But it's, it's a physical game, and, uh, you know, being strong and durable is a really big part of that. And, uh, again, that's why we lift every day and, and continue to develop our guys through the season.
2: Hey, Bob, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Adam You're Fletcher, welcome. we ap- appreciate your time, and have a good practice today. We'll talk to you soon, Fletch.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
2: You bet. It is I-L-L-I-N-I, right, Lauren, Mr. Tate? Yes, sir. It is 8.31. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll talk more about last night's game and today's football game as well with Alec Bussey from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. That's coming up next. Stay with us. Welcome back to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, we're with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Scott Beatty comes along with uh, his crew, which includes uh, many of us, for uh, Fighting Illini Game Day ahead of today's Illinois football game. Rutgers, And the fighting Illini in an 11 o'clock kick. Big Ten action here at Memorial Stadium. The rain, it appears to me, has stopped. The Illini have arrived. The Illini walk just uh, passed through uh, Grange Grove. And now the players are passing across the uh, football field, Zupke Field, and moving into the locker room area. We're going to talk more about uh, today's game. But let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the basketball game last night. Alec Bussey from... Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News is up early this morning as needed on a busy uh, Saturday day of sports. Alec, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you, Steve? Thanks for having me. on okay. there? No problem. Uh, let's get your thoughts on uh, that 94-79 win last night. Uh, I kind of called it early in the show the, the good, bad, and the ugly because there was a little bit of all three of those elements in that game.
3: Yeah, I think I turned around in the post game press room and said to Lauren Tate and Derek Piper, man, that was ugly. Definitely not what you were expecting. I know Indiana, Pennsylvania is a lot more talented than what St. Francis was, but to give up 79 points to a Division II team is definitely not something that I think Brad Underwood's very pleased about. Andre Crivello was... Pretty sloppy, again, I think he had 15 turnovers in the two scrimmages, and he had 10 of them last night, so that's unfortunate, and then, honestly, I think the biggest concern coming out of last night is obviously Trent Fraser's shoulder injury that he suffered early in the game, and it was good to see him try and come back and play, but he missed that three pretty badly, and then I think he kind of came off the floor and was like, I'm done, like, this isn't worth testing it. I think that was kind of the same mindset with Demonte Williams and maybe Austin Hutchinson as well. And there's no reason to play guys who are hurt in an exhibition game. It doesn't really mean anything. But overall, yeah, it was not a super pretty victory. But I, I mean, a win is a win, I guess, in this case scenario. So you take it, you start preparing for Jackson State.
2: Well, you don't want to win all your exhibition games 101 to 34 or whatever that was. And at least this one gave them uh, some teaching moments and gave the coaches certainly some firepower for today's practice.
3: Yeah, and Coach Underwood kind of mentioned that yesterday after the game and just how he was really excited to watch the film, get to practice today, get to practice on Monday, get to practice on Tuesday. He said before the game against IUP that they had only been able to practice twice. And I wrote last night in a story that I think should be up on our website now that I think Andre Cavello's game is really dependent on timing when it comes to his passing and his ability to do different things that we all know he's capable of doing. And when you only have two practices, a week to do that, to build on the time and and consistently find it. I think that may have hurt him a little bit last night, so I'm interested to see if he comes out against Jackson State in, I guess, 10 days now, and just looks a little bit more under control because they will practice a lot more at that point. I think everyone else will just kind of start to fill into their own roles, especially when Trent gets back healthy. Uh, You expect Amate Williams, I think, to get back healthy. He was doing a workout before the game and was moving really well. We'll see about Austin Hutchinson. Obviously, he has a troubled injury past since transferring to Illinois, so that's a little bit concerning, but it is good to know that the injury is to his back, it's to his tailbone or bruised tailbone. So you feel like if they can get healthy that they're going to be just fine against Jackson State, but then you want to make sure that they're able to be fully ready to go before they go to Kansas City or even when they play Marquette?
1: Well, I think what they did is they set the situation up where i'd like to see practice (laughs) because i mean underwood is going to be all over him he was all over him last night but once he shows him the film of this uh, he's going to have some things to fall back on. you know depth is a good thing it's a wonderful thing to have but if you're playing 9 10 11 12 players you're not going to get consistent play out there and they didn't get very consistent play on defense that's the thing that bothered me more than anything was the number of times they gave
3: up layups yeah, Lauren, you're exactly right. And I think that I texted one of my friends during the game. They were like, this defense is terrible. And I made a point to them. I was like, well, you're missing your best defender in Trent Frazier. And then you're missing another guy, Demonte Williams, who is probably one of your two, three best defenders. And those two guys just understand their assignments so much better than an Alfonso Plummer is going to, or any of the three freshmen that were able to come in and get more minutes because of the injuries to those three guys. But you need to see more out of – a guy like Alphonso Plummer defensively you need to see a little bit more out of you know I thought Coleman played well last night but I thought he was okay defensively he probably could have been better and obviously has the technical foul but really Andre Carrello was bad on defense as well he got picked on Underwood made a point of that in the post-game pass conference as well and you just can't have that it's easy to pick on Curbello when trent's not in there because he's undersized as well but he just doesn't move as well laterally and he doesn't have the understanding of the assignments and he's just not as gifted defensively as frazier has been the last couple of years and you have to get Trent back healthy because i think he's just really important to what you do on offense and defense and lauren like you said with the depth yeah this team has you know, nine, maybe ten guys that they feel comfortable playing. But I don't think they have 11-12 with Brandon Pajemski and RJ Melendez. Like, I don't think Underwood wants to play those guys if he doesn't have to, especially against a high major opponent.
1: Well, the trick about that is if you don't play them, can you keep them? You know, maybe they can see where they have the opportunity to play next year. Maybe that brings them back. But I will tell you, even Underwood has said this, when you recruit freshmen, it's a gamble. Can you keep them? If you don't play him, can you keep him? And that's something we'll have to look. You know, we'll have to look into. And by the way, I would think he'll still be looking pretty hard for another center for next year in case Kofi doesn't come back. Because so far we haven't seen anything out of Payne.
3: Yeah, and what's concerning about Omar Payne playing just 18 minutes, and I think scoring like four or six points or whatever in the two scrimmages, and only having four or six rebounds or whatever it is is that he's just not making a huge impact yet. And Coach Underwood said last night that he just needs to see more of him off the glass and that he was planning to play in more than nine minutes. But IUP did a good job of defending Kofi and he kind of wanted to get work with that. But what really concerns me about Omar struggling in the first two games is that it doesn't sound like from things that I've heard and just different reports that Kofi's going to be available for at least the Jackson State game and probably the Arkansas State game. So if if he's not available for that you're going to need Omar Payne to play and you're going to need Coleman Hawkins to play the five because Brandon Lee just isn't there physically and BBV's probably not there either so you need Omar Payne to be pretty good if you have two guys in the front court who you feel pretty confident in that can give you good minutes that can give you an effective effort on the glass and can give you good defense because once Kobe comes back what you get out of Omar Payne isn't as important, but if you don't have Kofi because of a suspension from the NCAA for selling stuff on a player's trunk when he was still declared for the NBA draft, that's concerning because that puts a lot of weight on what you're going to get out of Omar Payne and Coleman Hawkins.
1: What makes you uh, sure that that's going to happen, by the way? have, you, have you had, I haven't heard that there's anything definitive about what, uh, the, the, the ruling on Kofi. Do you hear that he's going to get two games?
3: I haven't heard anything specific. I just think it's a general belief that he's going to get some sort of punishment from the NCAA. So if he ends up not playing in one of those two games, you're going to need something more from Omar Payne and Coleman Hawkins.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's switch over to football. We've got a game today. I think everybody's still thinking about uh, Penn State, but we have to play Rutgers today. What, can, do you think Illinois can bounce back, and, and do you think they can get the, some passes completed today?
3: Well, that's going to be the big thing, and I think the winner of the game is probably going to be the team that has the better quarterback play. Obviously, coming in for Illinois, Brandon Peters is going to take it back, the starting quarterback job. Uh, Archie Kowski's done for the year with a wrist injury and then having to get shoulder surgery as well, but Rutgers has Noah Vedral coming in. He's not terrible this year. He's actually ranked sixth in the Big Ten, over 200 yards a game, close to 210. So, you feel like if Brandon Peters can kind of build on some positive momentum of that pass to KC Washington in the end zone to get the win against Penn State that you'll have an opportunity to win because you should be able to run the ball pretty well against this Rutgers front and I feel like the defense has started to play pretty well consistently over the last couple of weeks save the Wisconsin game I feel like that's kind of an outlier and I don't really think they were that bad against Wisconsin they just struggled to get off the field I think if Brandon Peters is able to complete some passes not necessarily downfield, they talk a lot about getting the ball downfield. I would like to see them roll Peters out on quick outs, short bootlegs, roll outs, what have you, and just hit Isaiah Williams, hit Luke Ford, hit Daniel Barker, see if you can find a Donnie Navarro or a Casey Washington on a quick curl or an out route or, what it is, or whatever. It is because if you can move the ball in 5- to 10-yard chunks through the passing game with what I think Illinois can do in the running game with Chase Brown and Joshua Curry, I think they'll be pretty good offensively.
2: Hey, Alec, we appreciate your time. We'll see you when you get over here and uh, have a good uh, trip in. And uh, it's, The rain has stopped, it appears. It's going to be a windy, chilly day, but uh, hopefully things will pick up and the crowd will get in for this ball game. But thanks for your time. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me on, Steve. Appreciate
2: it. You bet. That's Alec Bussey from Rivals.com, Illinois.Rivals.com. Orange and Blue News is the place to go to check out all the material there, Doug Bouchon and Alec and uh, the other folks that contribute there. It is 844, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and if you're uh, in the market for some new windows or doors at your home, about the Illini Pella window and door experts and their showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, That's where you can see all the products in person. You'll discover the beauty of those wood windows, the ease of the the between-the-glass blinds and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella has been rated number one by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. That's really important these days, and the Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best for each unique situation, and working with those folks is a very easy process. Sometimes a process like this could get overwhelming, but not uh, when you go with the Pella window experts. They'll be there to help you along the way from shopping to installation. So visit the showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Their phone number is 356-6474. The website, PellaOfChampaign.com. They're open Monday through Friday, Saturday by appointment. The Pella window experts at Illini Pella. Say hi to Mike Mary and all the guys in the Champaign location. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday sports talk after this. Welcome back to the show. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly at Memorial Stadium, the head of Illinois football today. We've got about 10 minutes left on the show. We've got an open line, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to jump in, let's say hello to Richard calling from Tuscola. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, evening, Brian
3: Marty, and he was uh, pretty harsh with um,
0: Peters and I, I had, I want to call and agree with him because I was on the phone with my brother during the game and that uh, second pass, the first one was
3: maybe he some some
0: the games, but he said Novato, he was coming back towards the, uh, towards the pass and he, Peter's if he had thrown a second or even
3: less earlier, he wouldn't have had to have gotten off his back foot, but he was basically falling back and he didn't have enough muscle. It. And Marty made an observation that, that a couple of years ago, something happened. He had psychological impact of Jeter's. And I, I, I have to agree
0: with Marty, and
3: I like to see us. Mm-hmm. Isaiah get in and uh,
0: do some things.
1: Okay. Okay. Richard. Well, we've all thought about Isaiah being uh, playing some quarterback, but I think he is going to get to carry the ball some on, on reverses and that sort of thing. And if you remember, he did score on the yeah. what eight on the eighth overtime. But uh, I don't think you know. I don't think you're going to see him a quarterback. That's just my opinion. I think they moved him for a reason, and I, th- I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe you'll see him pass again on a. On a, on, a, on a reverse or something, but he had that opportunity this year and threw it so badly they haven't given him a second chance. I don't think they'll give Casey Washington anymore out the way he threw, but in any case, uh, the quarterback situation has to be resolved for next year, and it isn't, sure, going to be, sure. it, isn't, it isn't going to be resolved today, I'm sure of that.
0: I talked to my brother. We've seen uh, volleyball, and I said, boy, I hope uh, our volleyball match last night wasn't an omen of today's football team. <laughs> okay,
1: Richard. Well, thanks for the call. Right, guys, I take you. I take a five a five set win, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> any light, kind of win. Illinois
2: beat Rutgers last night, three to two, to improve to uh, fifteen and seven. Overall, seven four in the Big Ten. They're at number three, Penn or number thirteen, Penn State.
1: Yeah, Penn State's really good
2: this afternoon. No, they're not a,
1: a lot better than Illinois, though. Right. I mean, this is a game that Illinois could come back and win, but they just didn't play very well against Rutgers.
2: By the way, the Braves won the World Series game. Is wrestling. that right? Two to nothing. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. I
1: got home in time to see the ninth inning. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's about the time I got there as well. High school football playoffs uh, began. Uh, Last night, more games are scheduled for today. One area team played last night, uh, Arthur Levington Atwood Hammond, dropped a 49-19 to decision at Pena. Some other area teams scheduled to go today. There was a game in Springfield, a 6A game. What
1: happened, Steve?
2: Springfield. This is a football score, okay? Okay, I'm ready. Springfield, 94. Rock Island, 72. Oh, my Lord. Well, a lot of good defense played in that game. <laughs> huh? Huh? Really? Could you not tackle any? Were there any tackles made in no, the game? No tackles. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but touchdowns. You got to. It's hard to do that if you're not playing against somebody. <laughs> no, I mean
1: it'd be hard just to run up and down the field that much. <laughs>
2: I was getting tired watching the guys last week go from uh, from one end to the other end during the overtimes. And so was Martin. He, that's when he was cramping up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, by the speaking, of, I
1: thought those were cramps last night. Fletch said that two of those players uh, for Indiana, Pennsylvania last night in the basketball game got, and they were pretty severe. Yeah, they I were. Mean, they were carrying one guy
2: off. And he he couldn't could, move either leg. I know. He was just paralyzed. And uh, actually, Fletch, I don't know if you noticed, he took down about five bottles of. Uh, Gatorade and some other powder they put in that stuff, and he took it down to their trainer. When's the
1: last time you've ever heard an Illinois basketball player having cramps?
2: I don't – I. Just, it doesn't happen. I, I, it's surprising, but you're right. And it, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but it was a little bit warm in there last night. Uh, With that many people in and not that cold outside. So that may have had something to do with it.
1: I played in a tennis match. It was almost midnight one time in a a tournament here in Champ. It was actually in Urbana. And I kept getting cramps. And every time I'd get cramps, I'd fall. You know, and the guy on the other side got mad because he said I was distracting him. (laughs) I said, well, it may be distracting to you, but I'm on the court laying here. Well, that's
2: an interesting strategy on yeah, your part. I, yeah, it was. It you were doing that on purpose, weren't it? Yeah. <laughs> Illinois and Rutgers today at 11. A bunch of games at 11 today. Indiana and Maryland. The big one is number six, Michigan. A lot of good games. At number eight, Michigan State. You bet. I, you, I guess we'll know more about both teams. But I think
1: I, everybody expects Michigan to win that, but it's it's it, they're only about a four-point favorite, I think. And... and uh, Michigan state's been you know playing better than they know how and they've gotten a really good running out of that Wake Forest transfer walker and so you know can they run the ball against michigan i'll say that they're going to have trouble doing that
2: yeah i'm anxious to see how well we won't get to see it until we look at it later because we're busy during that time at the same time but uh, I'd like to know how good Michigan State really is. And,
1: uh, well, you're going to find out real quick, exactly. In the, in the next, or not only today, but in the coming weeks, because they got a brutal schedule the, yeah, the they, rest of the way.
2: They got to play Ohio State and uh, the other leaders up there as well. Number nine Iowa is at Wisconsin, also at eleven. Really o'clock.
1: good game. That's a, you know, that's a game where that's that's a game that brings back the fullback. <laughs> the fullback is 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 at a loss these days. I don't know what Jim Grabowski thinks about it, but. Uh, Fullbacks have virtually disappeared, but when Iowa plays Wisconsin, you will have some fullbacks in there.
2: Minnesota is at uh, Northwestern at two thirty this afternoon. Purdue is at Nebraska at that uh, same time, and that's then, another good game. Yeah, that it is, go,
1: you know, Purdue going to try to pass that ball, and when they're completing passes to Bell, they can hurt you.
2: And the uh, the game tonight at six thirty is number five Ohio State playing at home against number twenty Penn State, and uh, that game doesn't look quite as good now. Uh, for the national audience, as it may have when they scheduled that and picked that time uh, ten days or so ago. Yeah. How do you size that one up? I, Ohio State's offense appears to me to be almost unstoppable. Did you hear what
1: uh, Franklin said in the press conference about playing Illinois in the big house? Yes. You got the wrong team in the wrong place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you might have I been mean, a bit distracted. <laughs> you think? I think. I think Illinois really distracted him. <laughs> I mean. And now all the talk will be about you know how does that affect you know the LSU or the USC jobs which apparently he was a lead, was a candidate I don't know I shouldn't say he's a candidate There's didn't talk that way, and I'm not I'm not sure maybe he's running his course at Penn State maybe he's ready maybe, to, maybe he's ready to move and, I don't know
2: and maybe the fans feel that way too after
1: after the Illinois game after, yeah
2: and another thing he did this. Maybe a distraction to some as he changed agents in the middle of the season.
1: Yeah, but he he, he changed last summer. Oh, did he? Yeah, and this was announced. I now. got you. So uh, I don't know what what it means. It means something, but uh, in any case, uh, uh, Penn State's uh, got their back to the wall today. It's a different mental approach. To, uh, you know, they were looking, and I'm told, and, and whether this information is accurate or not, I'm not positive, but I'm told that. Uh, one of the, a, a former coach told me that Penn State worked on the Ohio State game three days the previous the first week. You know when they had the week off mm-hmm. before the Illinois game, right? In other words, Illinois was working on Penn State the whole time, but Penn State spent part of their time working on. And, and the other thing is uh, whether Clifford will be able to come back 100 percent. Because if he isn't 100 percent, they have no chance. If he is 100%, maybe he can run or complete some passes out of the quarterback position that would put Penn State in a position to be competitive with him.
2: Yeah, we had this conversation last week about Clifford, and we didn't know at the time if, if he would play, and mm-hmm. he ended up uh, going all the way in that game and uh, wasn't but very effective.
1: No, he wasn't. He didn't look very good. That uh, that was a big factor in that game, the fact that he couldn't really play up to his own ability.
2: Well, this game kicks off at 11:01. Here at Memorial Stadium, and uh, Illinois a slight underdog at three and five, and two and three in the league. Rutgers three and four, and zero and four in the league. In the i have kind of had uh, Rutgers' number, and interesting matchup again. Uh, Brett Bielma has been around uh, long enough to have some some good relationships among uh, fellow coaches, and he and uh, Greg Shiano Sci- uh, go back a little bit. And of course, uh, Shiano is in his second tenure as the Rutgers head coach.
1: Yeah, Shano's, uh he has been a really effective coach in time, but I—I I don't know if he's running if he's run his course. Uh, he brought Rutgers back the first time, yep, but he hadn't brought him back the second time, and and it's really tough. Uh, they they played last week at Northwestern, and Northwestern won twenty-one to seven, and that's a pretty impressive game for maybe the best game Northwestern's played all year, and was that because of Rutgers or was that you know who knows, but uh their, their last couple of games, they lost to Michigan State 31-13, to and then they just lost to Northwestern at Northwestern 20,
2: 21-7. And they're making their second consecutive trip into the state of Illinois after having played yep. in Evanston a couple of weeks ago. They're coming off the bye week, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Illinois basketball uh, next for them is the season opener coming up in about uh, 9 or 10 days at uh, the State Farm Center. That's going to take care of our portion of uh, the first quarter, so to speak, of our coverage today here on Newstalk 1400 and 93.9 FM. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Dave Leak and Ed Bond, and we'll say goodbye for now. We'll be back with you as the day progresses here on DWS. Have a good day, everybody.